Well, it is officially now 2008, and uh, I know that uh, this past year um, I had a very exciting New Year's Eve. I don't know if you had an exciting New Year's Eve, but I had an exciting New Year's Eve. It was actually kind of a unique New Year's Eve. We did something different. I actually was awake at midnight uh, this year on New Year's Eve. It was actually the first time in several years that I was up at midnight. Isn't that depressing? I don't know what that says about me or my life or uh, whatever, but um, the last several years uh, had been to bed before that and enjoyed it the next morning. But this year we were with some friends and we, we stayed up late. New Year's Eve is an interesting holiday. Uh, New Year's Eve is one of those holidays where I always feel like I ought to be doing something more exciting than I'm doing. You know, you turn on TV and there's people in a crowded plaza and there's a crystal ball dropping and they're singing this song that nobody knows the words to and that just seems like that's the picture that we're supposed to have about New Year's, but I rarely ever, or actually, let me correct that, I've never done that. Um, but that's, that's, that's the picture. That's a New Year's uh, tradition. You know, another New Year's tradition is that of making some resolutions. I don't know if any of you uh, participated in that tradition. Uh, that's one that I actually have participated in before, just the making of some New Year's resolutions. You know what the number one category of resolutions uh, is for New Year's? Yeah, losing weight or getting in shape to some capacity. The the ease with which we all say that reminds me that we're probably all several of us made that same resolution this year. Uh, If so, we can join in with our the mayor of Oklahoma City. I don't know if you have heard about this, but it was the lead story on Yahoo yesterday that the mayor of Oklahoma City has started this campaign called the OKC Million Campaign. He's asking people to sign up on this website and the people in the Oklahoma City area collectively to lose a million pounds this year. Not just one person, that would be a record, but collectively as a city that we could, could lose uh, that weight uh, this year. And it's just it's interesting uh, how that is. I think so far like a thousand pounds has been lost, um, which equates to 0.17 pounds uh, per person registered. Um, but it's, it's, it's interesting that uh, we do that. That's something that we do at New Year's. We make resolutions of the things that we want to accomplish, the things that we want to do. But you know what's interesting is that with a new year comes new things. And there are some things that we resolve to do, and there are other things that are just going to happen. And, you know, as, as you sit here today and as you look forward to 12 months of 2008, what do you see down the road? What are the things that you see on the horizon of your 2008? Maybe there's some things that you know are coming. Maybe there's some things that you're not so sure will be there. But whatever it is, 2008 is like a, a long path that we're looking down right now. You know, that can be kind of scary. It can be a little intimidating. It can leave us at a loss for what to do. And thankfully, as we look forward into a new year, as we look forward into the unknown, that God has given us some pictures in His Word to let us know how we might walk by faith in times of change and uncertainty. And really, what we're going to see today Uh, is courage for the new year. And we're going to see this courage for the new year in the book of Joshua, chapter 1, verses 1 to 11. So if you've got a Bible, 
take it and open up to Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 to 11. Joshua is an Old Testament book right at the beginning of the Bible, the sixth book of the Bible, the book of Joshua. And as we look at Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 to 11, we're going to see courage for the new year. And we're going to see four things, four aspects of that. The first thing we're going to see is this. We're going to see that change brings uncertainty. Change brings uncertainty. Uh, That's a statement that probably rings true to you, as it does to me. Uh, But it's also something that was true in the time of Joshua. And we see in chapter 1 and verse 1 of Joshua this this fact that change brings uncertainty. Chapter 1-1 of Joshua says this. says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord... The Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid. Now, we read that and we fly right past it. It's, it's a typical intro to a story. But you know what? Those first few words are, are filled with so much meaning if we had been standing there with Joshua and the Israelites on that day. The first few words of this book say, After the death of Moses. After the death of Moses. Well, why would that be significant? What, what, what would that mean? Well, after the death of Moses means that, that Moses is no longer there. And if you were an Israelite, if you were Joshua, what that meant was several things. It meant that the man who had led them out of Egypt was no longer there. It meant that the man who stood there and caused, watched as the seas parted was no longer there. It meant that the man who walked up on the mountain and came back with the Word of God was no longer there. It meant that the only human leader that they had known as a fledgling nation was no longer there. It meant that the man that went to a tent every day and the glory of the Lord rested above that tent and he conversed with God, that man was no longer there. Now that's pretty significant. And you can imagine if you were Joshua or one of the Israelites, that, that the loss of Moses would have brought a tremendous amount of emotion. For those that were close, I mean, this is not a small group of people, so not everyone would have had a personal relationship with him. And obviously those who had a personal relationship with Moses would have been sorrowful for his loss of friendship and companionship. But you know, for, for the nation of Israel at large, the loss of Moses was huge because it brought about all kinds of uncertainty. It meant that whatever was going to happen from that point on was going to be a change. It was no longer going to be Moses who would be leading them. A change was about to take place. And that brought about all kinds of uncertainty. All kinds of emotion was welling up within them, no doubt, as they stood there in Joshua chapter 1. And you know what? When we think of this year for us, 2008, if it means anything, it's going to mean change. Just the fact that you're going to live days on this planet, some things will be different on December the 31st, 2008 than were true December 31st, 2007. There will be change that will take place in your life. You may know what some of that change is. Maybe it's, it's change in, in political leadership. I don't know if anybody watched the, uh, uh, watched the debates last night. Uh, but 2008 certainly is going to be marked by some political change because at the end of this year, 
someone else will be elected to be the president of the United States. And if you're politically minded, or, or even if you're, you're working up at Tinker, and you're wondering how a new administration will impact Department of Defense budgets and, and things like that, then, then that's a significant piece. That's a, that's a change that you're looking down this path of 2008, and you, you see that out there. Uh, maybe it's a change in job. Maybe you're going to be uh, taking a different position this year, and that's, that's a change that's, that's out there on the horizon for you. Maybe it's a change in finances. Maybe uh, you're in a different position, your, your, your salary is more or less than it was before. Maybe you had an adjustable rate mortgage, and this year is going to be different for you financially because of that. Maybe there's some, some things financially in your future as you look at Maybe it's some changes in your family. You're going from kids at home to empty nest. You're going from kids to teenagers. You're going from no kids to kids. And in Kimberly and I's case, we're going from a, a child that we can place one place and we know where he's going to be. To at the end of the year, a child that we place in one place and we have no idea where he's going to be. In just a matter of moments. Uh, that's a significant change that's out there. On the horizon for us. What? Maybe you have some changes in family. Maybe there's some circumstantial changes. You think about the things that are uh, going to be changing. Uh, new neighbors. Things that are going to be changing in terms of the, the, the tasks that you're going to be about at work or at home. Whatever it might be. Some circumstantial changes. Maybe it's some, some unknown things. Things you can't quantify at this point. But whatever it is, 2008 is going to be a time of bringing about some change to you. And that change produces uncertainty. And uncertainty in our lives causes emotion to spring up. Maybe, maybe it springs up and you're anxious. Maybe you're a little fearful. I know for, for, for me, I, I think about how, how do I know how to parent a one-and-a-half-year-old? How, how do I know how to do that? What if I do it wrong? The stakes seem so high. There's, there's some fear that comes into that. What are the changes that you're facing? And is it producing this uncertainty and these emotions that accompany that? Well, that, that certainly was the case in the time of Joshua. And so what's going to follow for us is really will, will help us to know how we can walk by faith into 2008. Some courage for the new year. If change brings uncertainty, then the second thing we need to see is this. God clarifies direction in times of uncertainty. God clarifies direction in times of uncertainty. Uh, look at what happens right after this introduction in verse 1. In verse 2, God begins to speak to Joshua. And, and God says this. God says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, now that, what, a, what a small little phrase, but what a significant phrase. Uh, listen to what God says. Moses, my servant, is dead. You know what I think that's, that's a reminder of? It's a reminder that Moses is the servant of God. You're like, wow, that's deep exegetical work there, Mark. No, it's that's significant. Because you know what that means? That means that God was saying, you know what? The man that stood beside the waters of the Red Sea as they parted may be gone, but you know what? He was merely my servant. I was the one that parted the waters of the Red Sea, and I'm still with you. He was saying, you know, 
Moses may have been the man that went up on the mountain and got the laws and brought them back down. But Moses was just my servant. I was the one that wrote on the tablets. I was the one that authored those laws. And I'm still with you. So significant that God reminds Joshua and the nation of Israel at this, such a critical time of uncertainty that He is still God. That He's still God. That Moses was His servant. And then after He, he reminds them that, that He is still God, uh, he, he makes that little statement. He says, Moses, my servant, is dead. But He says, now then you... Now, if you're, if you're Joshua, that, that statement's going to ring fairly loud, isn't it? Now then me. Moses is gone, but, but, but I'm still with you, and I've got plans that I'm wanting to enact on the earth, and I'm wanting to, to enact those plans through my servants. So now you, Joshua. So now you. I'm still God, and I'm still at work, and that work is going to involve you. Now that, that wouldn't have been new news to Joshua because Joshua had been selected years before to be the successor to Moses. And he had been selected uh, by God. In, in the book of Numbers in chapter 27, we see this interchange in verses 15 to 19. Where Moses said to the Lord, May the Lord, the God of the spirits of all mankind, appoint a man over this community to go out and come in before them, one who will lead them out and bring them in, so the Lord's people will not be like sheep without a shepherd. Moses is looking ahead at the time where he's going to be gone, and he says, God, these people are going to need a leader. And so God says to Moses, Take Joshua, son of Nun, a man in whom is the Spirit, and lay your hand on him. Have him stand before Eleazar the priest and the entire assembly and commission him in their presence. You see, God was still God. And God was going to clarify direction in this time of uncertainty by saying, I'm still who I am and I'm still going to be at work among you through my servant, who is Joshua. God clarified that for them. And then furthermore, God's going to clarify not just that, that he was with them and that he had a representative, a servant among them, but God was going to go one step further and say, you know what, I'm going to also tell you what kinds of things I want you to be about. And from verses 2 to 5, we see that explained for us in Joshua chapter 1. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then you and all of these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them. To the Israelites, I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the great sea on the west. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. You know what's interesting? God was with them. His servant was Mo or servant was Joshua. But the other thing that happens here is that God says, I have a mission for you. And this mission is not a new mission. This mission is an old mission. In the midst of all this change and uncertainty, let me clarify something for you. I'm with you. I've got a purpose for you. And that purpose is a very old purpose. It's the purpose that the Israelites have been about from the time you left Egypt. And that is to occupy 
this land, to take this land to be your own. You know, back in the book of Numbers again, in chapter 13, uh, we see God reinstituting this promise that they would take possession of the land. In chapter 13, verses 1 and 2, the Lord said to Moses, Send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the Israelites. From each ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders. Then on down in verse 8, we find out that one of those leaders from the tribe of Ephraim was Hosea, the son of Nun. And in verse 16, we find out that these are the names of the men Moses sent to explore the land. And Moses gave Hosea, the son of Nun, the name of Joshua. What that means is that Joshua was very familiar that this was an old mission. It was the same mission that the Israelites had been on. In a time of uncertainty, God clarified the direction by saying that I have got a a singular, similar purpose for you from ages past. And that is to go in and to occupy and to take control of this land. You know what, as we stand here today and we look down this path that is 2008, and we see all of the uncertainty that is before us, we need to remember that God clarifies direction for us, just as He did for Joshua. God clarifies direction for us in the face of uncertainty. You know, we, we are heading into time that is uncertain, time that is going to be full of change, but yet God wants us to know as well that He is still God. You know, Joshua has long since died. Generations of Christian leaders have died since the resurrection of Christ. And yet the purpose of God has continued on. The person of God has continued on. His work in this world has continued on from that time until now. So that even though there are a lot of things as we look forward that appear uncertain, we know for a fact that God is God and His mission is marching on. His mission is not tied to the things that we might see as things that we would hope to hold on to as constants. You know, I'll give you, give you a great example of that. Uh, many of you know Matas Zeltz. And Matas was the leader of YWAM Latvia, someone that we had partnered with, and Bruce shared some about him even last Sunday. But you know, when, when Matas died uh, of, a, of a heart attack uh, just right before Christmas, I remember one of my first thoughts was just, oh no, uh, the hope of Latvia is gone. It's really what I was thinking. The hope of Latvia is gone. Because Modest really was a revolutionary, and he had been involved and instrumental in so many things. And my first thought was, think of all the things that won't get done now, because Modest is gone. And you know, as I read passages like this, you know what I'm challenged by? I'm challenged by the fact that God's plans are not tied to the things that we would hope would be constant. God's plans are not tied to just any one person. God is God regardless of who His servant is. God is God regardless of of where the location of that uh, setting is. God is God no matter what. And He reminded Joshua of that, and God wants to remind us of that as well. Whatever is going to change in your year this year, Remember that God is God. And remember also that you are His servant. If you know Christ as Lord, then our lives are given purpose and meaning by God Himself. We are His servants. 
And since we are His servants, we share our direction from Him. We take our direction from God Himself. And just as God gave to Joshua a very old mission, which was to go and to occupy the land, so we too, as we stand here today at the beginning of 2008, whatever else might happen in 2008 for us, God clarifies direction for us by giving us a couple of very simple but very profound commands. Whatever else we're supposed to be about this year, we're supposed to be about the great commandment and the great commission. You know, when you look at the ministry of Christ... Uh, he, in a couple of occasions, kind of sums up the purpose for his people. He sums up the law and the commands to his people. Uh, one of those things happens in Luke chapter 10 and verse 27. In Luke 10, 27, a person comes to Jesus and he says, you know, what m- must I do to inherit eternal life? What is the most significant set of commandments that are out there? And Jesus said, well, what do you think? And the guy gave this answer and Luke 10:27 that Jesus said that's the right answer. And Luke 10:27 says this, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. This is known as the great commandment, the greatest of the commandments. It sums up so much of what God has called our lives to be about is that we will be loving God, we'll be pursuing him, and we'll be loving our neighbors as ourselves. Now, certainly that's a command that is too lofty for us to fulfill uh, on, a, on a day-by-day basis or even a moment-by-moment basis. That's why Christ came to offer forgiveness for us. But I think that the reason why God includes these passages in the Word for us is it helps clarify direction for us. What is the direction in the midst of an uncertain time that God wants us to go? He wants us to go in a direction that is going to be loving Him and loving others. That ought to be a banner over our lives. It's some of the direction from long ago that God would repeat to us today. The great commandment. But also I think that the great commission is another command that God gave long ago that He would want our lives to be about this year. And we would see a little bit of that in maybe a different form in Matthew chapter 5. In Matthew chapter 5 verses 13 to 16, uh, this is what Jesus says. He says, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness... How can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and give light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. When you think about 2008... God clarifies direction for us in some of these passages. He says, whatever else is going to happen in 2008, remember that I'm God. Remember that you're my servant. And remember that I want your life to have a certain aroma and direction about it. One of of loving me and loving others as you shine as my light in this world. God clarifies direction for us in times of uncertainty. But a third thing I think that we need to see is after giving these general categories to us, God does something really interesting. God encourages us in the midst of change and uncertainty. God encourages us in the midst of change and uncertainty. After telling Joshua, uh, that, reminding him of the things that we just saw, 
God begins to encourage him. I think it's so interesting that that's what God does next. From verse 6 to verse 9, in those verses, three times God issues the phrase to Joshua, Be strong and courageous. This is what he says. He says, Be strong and courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn it, turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Over and over again in that passage, God says, be strong and courageous. This is encouragement to Joshua. The idea of being strong is is that of grabbing hold. The idea of being courageous is of standing solid in the face of of difficulty. God is encouraging Joshua to, to, to stand firm there. He's giving him some some reasons why he should be encouraged. And I think that's such a significant point. God takes the time to encourage Joshua. And I think God wants to take the time at the beginning of a new year to encourage us. Because when someone is heading into uncertainty, they need some direction. But you know what I think they need even more than that? They need some encouragement. They need some encouragement. Now, I've experienced this firsthand uh, when I was in high school, um, I, I attended a, a church in Bartlesville. And, and after graduating from high school, I felt God's leading in my life in the ministry. And so after my first year of college, I, I came back uh, to this church and, and I served as a youth pastor for a summer there. And uh, one of the things I got to do during that summer was to uh, preach in a Sunday evening service. It was the first time that I'd ever done that. And uh, so I, I, I prepared and I got ready and I, I got up and I preached what is probably one of the worst messages I've ever preached in my life. But uh, I, I did it anyway, you know, and, and I, I was just I was so excited and nervous and all just this ball of emotions. And uh, after it was over, I never will forget uh, David Croninger, who was one of the associate pastors, um, just came up, put his arm around me and he said, hey, come come with me into my office. And we we sat down and he just looked at me and said that was awesome. Now, I don't know what kind of a definition the word awesome has, but I'm pretty sure it probably wasn't really awesome. But but what he went on to say was, you know, he said, your passion and your enthusiasm for that passage were just, were just great. And I really appreciate how God blessed us through you tonight. You know what? He could have said a thousand things. He could have said, you know what? Uh, point three really could have used some work. Because no doubt it could have. Uh, That illustration had nothing to do with what you were saying. Also probably true. He could have said all of these things, but he didn't. Instead, he chose to offer some encouragement. And I was heading into some uncertainty. I'd never done that before. And and he blessed me that way. And I think that God treats us in similar fashions. Because God came to Joshua at this moment. And God encouraged Joshua. And he encouraged him in three ways. He encouraged him with three things. The first thing God encouraged him with is in verse 6. He encouraged him to be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. In other words, hey, be encouraged, Joshua. 
This fight's already won. Be encouraged. As you stand, the reason why you can stand firm where you are, the reason why you can walk into that land is because I have already promised victory there. Uh, God promised this victory many, many places and many, many times. But one of the most significant ones, I think, is in the book of Exodus in chapter 6 and in verse 8, where he says this. He says, God says, and I will bring you to the land I swore with uplifted hand to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you as a possession because I am the Lord. In other words, God made a promise that the Israelites would be in that land. And so Joshua was to be encouraged because God had made a promise that he planned to keep. So Joshua could be encouraged at that time. God encouraged Joshua another way. In verses 7 and 8, God encouraged Joshua that even though the world was changing and even though there was a lot of uncertainty, that God was going to provide direction through his word. In verses 7 and 8, he says, Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. You know, when you hit uncertainty, when you are fearful, what do you really want to do? You really want to make the right decision. You really want to walk in the right place. And I think it's so wonderful that God encourages Joshua. We might read that and think, well, that sounds like he's just giving him a bunch of stuff to do. No, he's giving Joshua exactly what he needs. He's saying, hey, guess what, Joshua? I know the way. I know the way. And I have given you five books. At this time, there were five books of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And he says, in that kernel of truth that I've given you is the direction of life that I want you to head. Read it. Meditate upon it. Look at it. In the darkness, I'm shining a light to your feet to show you the direction that I want you to go. God encouraged Joshua by letting him know that. And the third way that God encourages Joshua is uh, fairly easily seen in, in verse both five, the second half of verse 5, and then he repeats it in verse 9. Second half of verse 5, God says to, to Joshua, As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. And then in verse 9, Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous? Do not be terrified and do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. The third way that God encourages Joshua is he says, I will be with you. I will be with you, Joshua, wherever you go. Now, I think that's a, a significant thing as well. Because when you think about the life that Joshua had had, he had been able to see very clearly that God was with Moses. He'd been able to see that. Yeah, flip back to the book of Exodus, or you can read it up on the screen. Exodus chapter 33 um, in Exodus chapter 33, verses 7 to 11, uh, we have an account that showed how God was with Moses. And it says this, says, Now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. And anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. 
And whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrances to their tents, watching Moses until he entered the tent. And as Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. Hear that? There was a visual representation of God, and God was speaking with Moses. And everyone could see that. It says, Whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance to the tent, they all stood and worshipped, each at the entrance to his tent. And the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks with his friend. And then Moses would return to the camp, but his young aide Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. Isn't that interesting? Joshua, who had seen God so clearly be with Moses, at some level had to be wondering, sure, I've got this law. Sure, I've got this mission. But will God be with me as he was with him? That's not all that different from how we think, right? We see someone that's got a walk with God that we we love and we see them go through difficulty and we think, wow, that is awesome, the faith that they have. God is obviously with them, but could he be with me as he is with them? And to someone who saw so clearly that God was with Moses, God gives the promise to Joshua, I am with you, Joshua. I'm with you. I'm with you no matter what. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. As As I was with Moses so I will be with you. God made this promise to Joshua. He encouraged him by the fact that he would be with him. You know, when you think about that for us, does any of that encouragement hold any bearing to us today? Yeah, I think it has a lot. It has a lot to do with our 2008. I think we need to remember that that God has made a number of promises to us in his word that he plans to keep. You know, when you read your Bible, make a list of the things that God is promising to us. There there, there are many. And know that God is going to make good on that. It's a wonderful thing to do at the beginning of a year, just to think about some of the things that God has promised to us. God has made some promises to us. Second thing is to to know that there's some direction for our lives that God has, has laid out for us through His Word. That we... Just as Joshua was encouraged to to get in the Word, not so that he could say that he had a quiet time, but so that he could have the direction that God wanted for his life. God was going to show Joshua the way through his Word. And I think that we need to remember that as well. That our lives in 2008 ought to be marked by some effort, some plan, some design to, to get into God's Word. Not because we have to, but because we get to. Because God has promised to lead us through it. And then thirdly, we need to remember that God is with us. Now, I think of, of, of us today, it, it might be easy for us to doubt that. Is it really true that God is with us? Is it really true that God is with us as he was with Moses? Is it really true that God is with us as he was with Joshua? There's some natural skepticism that we would have. And I think that because of that, God takes verse 5, out of Joshua chapter 1, and he includes it in the New Testament for us to see. Uh, in, in the book of Hebrews, in chapter 13, in verse 5, 
It says this. It says, God has said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. The promise that he gave to Joshua to be with him is a promise that he gives to us as well. God wants to encourage us as we head into this time of uncertainty, just as he encouraged Joshua. The last thing I want us to see is after God encourages them, then then Joshua takes some action. You might put a phrase over Joshua's life at that point that is ready, aim, fire. And in verses 10 and 11, Joshua, on the basis of the encouragement of God, takes some action. It says, so Joshua ordered the officers of, of the people. It says, go through the camp and tell the people, get your supplies ready. Three days from now, you will cross the Jordan here to go in and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you for your own. Joshua took action. Joshua readied himself. He encouraged himself on the basis of what God had said. He aimed, he, he prioritized his life based on the direction that God had given him. And then he fired, he took action. And you know, when you think about 2008 for us, I think, think about that. Are, are you ready, aimed, and, and firing in 2008? This is why so many of our New Year's resolutions and hopes and promises don't happen, right? We might get ready to do them. We might say, I'm so excited to make a New Year's resolution, to have a good start. We're ready. But just being excited doesn't get you anywhere. We might aim. We might not only do we get ready for a New Year's resolution, but we might write it down. I want to blank. I want to honor God in 2008. I want to read through the Bible one time in 2008. I want to get involved in serving in, two, in serving Christ in some way in 2008. We might even write it down in some capacity. But you know what? Being ready and aiming isn't enough, right? Eventually, we have to fire. And the reason why Joshua could take such a tremendous step and fire and say, okay, we're going to go and take possession of this land, is because he stood on the basis of the encouragement and the presence and the power and the word of God. Because of what God had told him, he was willing to ready aim, and not just ready and aim, but to fire as well. And when you think about your 2008, you think about the the things that you would like to see happen in 2008, on the basis of the encouragement of God from Joshua chapter 1, I would invite you to fire. To be excited to make that change, to detail what you think that might be, but then to actually do it. Because God has promised to be with us. Change brings uncertainty. God clarifies direction in times of uncertainty. God encourages us in the midst of change and uncertainty. And he wants us to ready, to aim, and to fire. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time that you've given us today. To look at your word, to look at the depth of a passage like Joshua 1. Father, I I think about... Joshua standing there in front of the Israelites, and no doubt fear was one of the dominant emotions. And Father, as we sit here today, no doubt uh, fear is among the feelings that many have as they look at this year, or, or just wonder or uncertainty. Father, I pray that we would be people who would, like Joshua, receive your encouragement and act accordingly. 
And Father, I pray that that would mark our lives in 2008. We thank you and we pray these things in Jesus' name.